never thought it would become as debilitating as it did with like talking panic attacks and feeling like you're in a fog and stuff it's mental like absolutely mental I, I was i was starting to think that i was like i was and i had a little bit of like concussive problems before that six nations but i just absolutely said nothing I was quite spiteful as well when it finished and going like I'm sure a lot of it is is the appraisal you get from people and seeking that appraisal sure I'm an, like I'm an actor and I've always been an attention seeker and... Hello and welcome to the Offfield Rugby Pod I'm your host Brian Moylet former Irish age grade international player now mindset and performance coach I help players and teams all over the world overcome setbacks, play in the zone and achieve higher levels. On this podcast, I chat with people at the top level about their journey so that you can get their insights and hear what worked for them. You probably agree that you need to be strong mentally as well as physically, but most players don't know how to work on their mindset. My new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player, is like a gym program, but for your mental strength. In it, you'll learn how to instantly move on when you make mistakes in games, how to feel excited and confident on the field, and how to play in the zone. And it's available now on Amazon. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening, and be sure to send it on to some friends. Cheers. Peter Claffey played for the Ireland Under-20s, went through the Connacht Academy, and signed a pro deal before being released from the club. He then decided to go down a different path, went to acting school, and things are really now taken off for him in that world. We chat about all of that, and Peter is so open and honest throughout. We talk quite a bit about mental health, struggles we've each had, our experiences, and what we have found works for us in helping us manage it and overcome it, which I think is something you take day by day. Peter talks about concussion issues he had while playing, and the long-term side effects that have occurred from that. We talk about purpose, obsessiveness, what rugby gave us, and what we think it gives others, and lots more. This is a chat I really enjoyed, and I think it's really cool how open Peter is about the challenges he's gone through. You'll hear me talk about two other people who did the same that have unknowingly to them helped me massively in the past. If you are in Ireland or the UK at the moment, you can get a signed copy of my new book through my website, offfieldrugby.com. For everyone else in the world, everywhere else in the world, Amazon is the place you get your copy. Just a heads up, in the chat, in the first 30 seconds, the audio skips once or twice, but then it's A1 from then on out. So here's episode number 74 with Peter Claffey. Dealing with money can be very stressful and especially with everything that's happening in the world right now and stock markets crashing. If you're not an expert, it can be difficult to know what to do. Sparks Wealth is an Irish financial planner and they are experts when it comes to dealing with finances and helping guide you on what's best for your situation. You can book a free call with Will now at Sparks Wealth on their website, sparkswealth.ie. Recently, a family member of mine did just that and was so happy they did so. They said Will guided them through everything in a simple, easy to understand way, no jargon, and it was a brilliant experience. 
So that's sparkswealth.ie. So chat to me, how's the acting going? I saw you doing a play recently. Yeah, I, uh, it's going good. It's, it's mad. It's kind of taken off all of a shot the last while. Um, yeah, I was doing a play, uh, a whistle in the dark up in the Abbey Theatre. And um, it was the first sort of professional theatre gig I'd done. Um, because I had done a bit of TV and stuff before that with BBC Three and uh, a thing on RT and stuff like that, and yeah, it was a it was a total different ball game because it was like it's just very like I I'm I kind of start I've in the last while started struggling a bit with anxiety and stuff, and I got a good hold of it for all the TV stuff, um, but it's like the theater is a different ball game. It's like like I haven't had that kind of nerve. And that nerve on stage since like playing Irish 20s or something like that when you're walking running out onto a field it's just that electricity where you're like it's like with, with TV and stuff they're recording and it, there's so much that happens in post-production so you can you can screw up but you know that it was that familiar feeling of I can screw up here or else you know you're letting cast down which is like letting the team down you know so it was that familiar feeling that I hadn't had in a long time uh, being out of rugby so long but yeah it was it was unreal it was such a good experience Pass and when you mentioned anxiety there is that something that was came on when you were close to performing again yeah it's like I don't know to be honest with you it's 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 probably something I'll I'll I, I, I'm not 100% sure if I want to get into it as much now like on this I, I'll definitely speak about it again but it's like I don't know it, it just came up all of a shot and I've been dealing with it for the past two years now and um, I don't know where it came from I, I, I don't think it was from like a performance aspect or anything like that just kind of came out came out of all of a shot and maybe it was maybe it was acting taken off as well as it did like as lucky as I was for it to have taken off as well as it did as quickly as it did and I'd say maybe all of that on top of on top of itself just kind of maybe triggered something but yeah I'm, yeah it's 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 a it's a funny one all right yeah it's um it's a weird one I it's something I never thought that I'd ever have to deal with because I've never been I've always got nerves and stuff like that playing rugby and different things like that but never like it's always been you know good nerves where you're like yeah this is adding to how i feel like i feel like very alert and 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 sort of lit but yeah i i never thought it would become as debilitating as it did with like talking panic attacks and feeling like you're in a fog and stuff it's mental like absolutely mental i, I was i was starting to think that i was like you know, i was like unhealthy i thought i'd had something wrong with me but the more and more I found out about what it was the more respect I had for it because of what it kind of how debilitating it was and mental and I never I, I used to you know the, the like it's it's great that we're talking about mental health and stuff now the last while especially men in, in Ireland but I was always kind of of the thing ah yeah it's good we're talking about it but I was kind of like I've got a clue do you know I don't, our lads just kind of our lads sort of being over dramatic about stuff and I will never ever think that again because it's 
so so rotten when when you get into the the real the pits of it but yeah i've got a good enough hold on it now and trying to push on from it yeah good stuff uh, yeah i've had experience i've had two panic attacks before and then like depressed for a period and it's like yeah. the, like you never think it will affect you and i oh. know who people who who suffered with mental health and, and all this and but i'm like oh well that's not gonna be me because i'll be grand yeah it's mad like it's so funny it, it's not funny but you know what i mean it's yeah. you saying that now is like it's mental because especially here in ireland for young men it's like you could just meet someone and nobody will talk about it but Everybody keeps talking about we should be able to have the conversation about this and stuff like this. But the conversation is not getting, you know, it doesn't have to be getting deep, meaningful, sharing things. It's just a casual conversation like this going, geez, yeah, it was rough. And I had a couple of panic attacks. You had a couple of panic attacks. All oh, right, did you? Yeah, do you know that sort of way? And I think a lot of lads are put off by the 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 thing that we need to make this conversation okay. And they, they think that that becomes like we really need to express and it becomes, you know, as lads would say, like soft or whatever. But all it is is a conversation like this because you never know, like, how helpful that could be for someone to be like, geez, yeah, I got anxiety there at a couple of attacks. And some lad could be like listening to that and he could be it could be like a conversation between four lads and he's not even half listening and then he cues in on that and somebody's just said and he's like i have been holding this from my family my friends for a year and to hear that is so inspiring and kind of and and it sets you on the road to 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 helping yourself do you know what i mean but it's it's it is it is the more and more i start to talk about it with people the more and more people i'm like you you had it too you have the same thing too. And you never, people that you'd never think could ever experience that kind of stuff, do you know? Yeah, 100%. And like we were chatting just before we, we jumped on, um, you mentioned Blind Boy, like he, his podcast, me hearing him talk about his experiences yeah. and just him talking about his experiences. And then in the past, Brezzy as well just talking about his experience and he was a rugby player too yeah but those two people them talking about it helped me so much and like you're saying it's not like like i'm not i don't know how to like you say have this big conversation but it's yeah. it's like them just talking about their experience i helped me so much yeah massively like i i i love blind boy i think he's unbelievable just I loved the rubber bandits and everything like that, but I I I never knew how incredibly intelligent he was and how intelligent the two of them are. And like he he's really setting a forefront with talking about this stuff and well because he had horrendous like agoraphobia and stuff where he, he was having panic attacks, couldn't go out in 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 uh, in, in public and at, be at big group events and stuff. But he's he's really he's he's really brilliant because it's kind of like a especially coming from a male voice and that's no disrespect to women at all it's just you know men are going to find this harder to talk about a lot of the time so for as a as another irish male to hear an irish male and the same with brezzy talking about it and being very upfront about it it's it's so empowering do you know what i mean a hundred percent yeah i couldn't agree more and it's yeah like i say men it's because you can relate to them and it's and when you say they're irishmen once again you, we can relate to them whereas yeah. if you hear a foreigner or hear a woman or whatever it's like you can't 
quite relate to them but like those two lads I was just like wow they're very you know similar age they're very like me and that they had that you know whereas before that I literally zero like just you don't think anyone totally it's mad like it's you you a lot of women could find that insulting but it's not an insult it's I I think I personally I think women are actually at 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 the at the forefront way more mentally strong than men are anyway and i think the male and female psyche is a very are two very different places and spaces to be in you know so as you said hearing it come from a, another person not just uh not just another person but a male and an irish male is huge because like we have such a we've a lot of things in this country that contribute to us having poor mental health and anxiety which is a brother of depression and stuff it's like such a huge drinking culture and then the weather is shite do you know what I mean so it's like it, there's a lot of stuff so it's very easy to hear maybe like an American actor or an American musician talk about this stuff um, or whatever like that but when it comes from somebody that we know is very close to the 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 locality that we grew up in and stuff like that it's 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 encouraging and it's very comforting as well it makes you feel like you know i will get through this because there's you know it's anxiety as i said as a brother of depression can bring you to the darkest spot you've ever been in your life and yeah it's great to have people like blind boy and especially brezzy as well he's been huge for it too yeah, and I fully agree with you with them women. They are way further ahead in that, in that they talk about their feelings quite a lot, whereas men we don't at all. And <laughs> you know, that's the problem. Or but, you know, but I, I think they're more mentally strong because they've had yeah. to put up with men for <laughs> thousands of years. Do you know what I mean? They've had to become <clears throat> more mentally strong. That's probably a weird opinion to have, but I genuinely do believe it. Like my mother, I'd be I'd be dead in a ditch without my mother. <laughs> And my girlfriend as well, like just two very solid people to have mentally for, for and that have been there with me through all the anxiety and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I, I just think I do think women are a lot more mentally tough. Yeah, I tend to agree with you in a mm. way. And um, how did you get into the acting like you were playing rugby? How, how did that come about? Yeah, uh, it's weird. I, I was like, I always would have loved see I've always been a massive lover of like movies and film and I've always like wanted to be a part of it in some way maybe but it was weird because like I was always like I was a massive attention seeker in school and geez I drove me um, teachers cracked and stuff and uh, I just just joking and trying to be funny and and things like that and then I, I suppose I never really looked down that route or considered it because you're like, when you when you think of acting and and successful actors, you just think of London and you think of New York and LA, and I was like, there's no way I could, you know, unless I moved out there. And I didn't really want to move out there. I love living here, and I was like, but then rugby just took over my life from from the age of gosh, or the age of thirteen or fourteen. You're in the Connacht age grade set up, and you're next thing you're sixteen or seventeen, and Irish opportunities come up that takes over your life and that's all you're thinking about even through all uh, like you're leaving certain stuff and then if there's an opportunity of a a sub academy or an academy spot that's all you're thinking about again and then the next thing you know you're 24 the next thing you know you're 23 24 and they're telling you 
you're not cutting the cloth now do you know you're not making the cut and you're and then you you're out and you're like i i jesus the last time i checked i was going to do my junior search you know what i mean it's weird it just took over my life so I, i didn't know what the hell i wanted to do when 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 i uh when i got dropped and i was like i said before i try and i i had a i had a massive thought about going into the becoming a fireman in Galway I really wanted to do that and I said because I thought that that was a lot more realistic but before uh that I was like look I'll just audition for a couple of acting schools and see and actually I, it was just the one acting school I did audition for it was just Bow Street and I see like if I get it I get it I can decide then and I did get it and I was like ah sure I'll give it a crack and yeah, I haven't looked back since, to be honest with you. It's, it, I've, I love it. Like, I really do enjoy it a lot. And I think a lot of the experiences and things I've learned in, in rugby have contributed towards it as well, massively. Just the discipline and being able to take rejection. and Because, like, when you come into... When I was in acting school, it was like... We'd be trying to criticise, become very critical of our tapes and bits of homework that we were doing and different techniques we were learning or voice work or anything like that and i did find like that it was it was tough for people to be told that's not it or you know that you know you have to be different there but for me i'm like yeah it's just tell me like because you're used to lads sure like you used to other coaches like hitting you with broomsticks doing a plank do you know what I mean? Like, and they're kind of telling you to stay going. I'm not going to name any coaches there, and it wasn't a, an abusive situation to like that. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah. But like, you're used to taking, being told you're shit and cop on and push it harder and stuff like that. So you're like, being coming into this in an industry that's so full of rejection it was, it was quite easy, do you know? Yeah. And did you, when you say you kind of got brought into rugby and kind of, a bit of a whirlwinder just started taking off then like when you were 13 14 did you were you keen for the rugby or what yeah uh i was definitely i i uh i tried my hand a lot my my dad was a great sports person he he was a like brilliant runner and great soccer player and loads of different things and uh I tried a lot of things when I was younger and I think a lot in my mind was just trying to, you know, impress him at something. And I was quite a heavy, tall kid. Like I grew vertically very quickly. Um, and I tried soccer and I just wasn't fast enough or wasn't fit enough. And you don't get to grow up in Pertumna without trying to play hurling as well. Tried that. I was too blind for that because I didn't get contacts for a long time till I was like 15. But uh, yeah, I did that. And then I was like, and then they were playing rugby over in Banlaslow. They weren't playing it in Pertumna when I was about nine, well, nine, ten, ten probably. And my mom brought me over and I kind of took to it. And I was good at it fairly, uh, fairly early on. But like, you're, when you're talking that that age, you know if you're just big, you'll 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 kind of push on with it. But it wasn't just coasting for a while. I started to get like when I was about fourteen, I started 
get really obsessed, like massively obsessed with training. And all I did was watch rugby and watch rugby on YouTube all the time. I was obsessed with the All Blacks and obsessed. Ireland were starting to really push on that time as well. They were starting to get really, really good. And I was just obsessed. And I all I wanted to do was make it. And uh, I didn't think that was a realistic thing for a long time until until I was about in under 19s and Nigel Carolyn rang me and was like come into the and I thought I was just going into Galway into university doing science and you know when rugby was over I'd start training with Corinthians or whoever or whatever and he rang me and he was like yeah you're coming into the sub academy and I kind of didn't even know how it worked to be honest I was like what does that mean does that mean I'm and then I later found out that I was in there all week and then it just from then on was like very uh very full on from that point on and I suppose that's when when you're in the sub academy like I had really I I had massive aspirations before that and I'd worked really hard but I never thought it was actually going to happen and then when you go into the sub academy and then you're surrounded by everything you're like like your next your next goal is to train with the seniors then you're like okay right now i'm here this is this is the plan now do you know what i mean mm. and yeah. how did you find that 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 time then like college and in the sub academy and um yeah i i it was tough like it was tough and it is anybody that's go, like considering going well not considering because you know well yeah considering and trying to aspire to go into a sub academy it is tough it is tough but i'm not going to stand here and go i didn't get a degree in science or arts because of rugby and i you know and it, it was a combination of not being able to make a couple of labs and total laziness on my own part you know like sean o'brien that's just retired there um ginger sean o'brien um good friend of mine from connacht he's He's a fully, he was, he's doing a, ma he started a master's in psychologist in psychology while he was in there and he is qualified as in law. He got a degree in law. Does that make you a lawyer or I don't know, I don't know how it works. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But he was, he did that and got all his exams and there's countless lads in there that were doing exams and just had a bit, a bit more discipline and weren't as lazy as I was and got their exams and stuff so it's very doable you know it is tough it's but it's very doable and my experience in education in third level education should not be a well once you go in there you'll never get anything because it was total laziness on my part for sure yeah I know what you mean and I think that people on the outside say older people they say that like, oh, you know, the rugby, but you won't get an education or whatever if you focus on, but like you absolutely can if you want oh, to, yeah, you know, so. and you can spread it out over years. You can even take a semester off if needs be, or, you know, and you, if you want to get the degree as well inside, it's, it's very doable. 100%. I totally agree. It's the, it's the other thing that you do miss out on is the, the college life experience. Yeah. And I think, and, and there was a lot of times during it when me and, my friend uh, that I was living with Mark Mark Kelly would be like God it's you know it's actually tough that because we were <laughs> we were living for a while right beside electric nightclub in Galway so like we'd be training early in the morning we'd look out and like queues and it was like oh loads of people that we knew from college and stuff so 
it, but at the end of the day, if I look back at it now, it's like, you know, you kind of have to cop on a bit. It's like, what what are you trying to do here? Do you know? And it's very, it, the, 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 the hole that you can fall into is like, when you don't make it, like we didn't, and then you look back and go, oh, I missed all the college stuff. And it's like, yeah, but so did everybody else that a lot of the other guys that did make it. It's just, we didn't make the cut in the end. So you can't go back and go, oh, well, I missed all that. It's just, you have to prioritize what you're doing. Are you trying to do this? And if you are trying to do this seriously, you can't go out um, on the piss all the time. Having said that, some lads can and can still perform all the time. I I wish I had that power, but I, I really don't. So... Yeah, for sure. I think I've seen it before. I'm going to butcher it, but like there's three things. Is it like study or work, social and maybe sport? And you yeah. can have two of the three or something, you know? That's 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 a fair point. That is a fair point, actually. I'd never thought of it like that. And I'd say I'd say that's a lot of that is it for a lot of people. But then there's these freaks that are just these freaks in nature that are able to just they're so productive with everything and they can just, you know, keep up an unbelievable social life while furthering in sport and, and education stuff. It's mad. Yeah. I've seen those too. And then in Connacht, like you mentioned Irish twenties as well. So things were, were going fairly like very well then yeah. while you, while you were in there. Yeah, for sure. They were they, um, like Irish twenties was one of the best experiences I've ever had and ever will have got to play with like, Got to play with James Ryan and Hugo Keenan and Andrew Porter, Jamie O'Brien, loads of lads like that have that are really pushing on now, and it's it's unreal to see. And yeah, it was uh, like I, I I was probably playing my best rugby, yeah, probably my best rugby I've ever played at that point. But when I when I was like. I, I, what was it? it the, the, all the concussion things were starting to come into place then. We were starting to take massive notice and going, right, we need to look at this because young lads are getting seriously injured in their, in their brains. Do you know what I mean? And it's not good. And for sure. And I had a little bit of like concussive problems before that Six Nations, but I just absolutely said nothing. And I was, I was always going to probably say nothing, which is probably like, like Paul O'Connell said it in his book, which is a totally different level to the uh, a level I ever got to. But he was like, he's talking about when they when he's asked about the the whole concussion situation. Rugby is like, you know, if you had a Heineken Cup final or or a Grand Slam or something on the line and you were concussed, he was like, nine times out of ten, I'd go back and I'd still play because it's a stupid thing to do for your life, but you care about it that much. So I I said nothing throughout that Six Nations and it got worse on my own doing, nobody else is doing. And after it, I was kind of like, I just came clean to the, right after it, I came clean to the physios in Connacht and I was like, yeah, I've been struggling with this. Because I thought that time they were still doing the World Cup after, a couple of months after. And I thought, right, if I take time out now, I'll get right. But unfortunately, it just didn't get right for a long time. And I had to start taking medication and different things for it. And I missed the World Cup over it and a lot of training. And I was always I was I was trying to put on weight anyway to be that tight, that kind of tight head lock 
anyway and lock down scrums but I, I that went way overboard like I was, wasn't training and like trying to mind my head and just eating pizzas and I like I got to like 130 kilos at one stage and I was Jeez. like I know I was a unit but it was all dead weight like it wasn't able to move around and I eventually got back and I started to play good rugby but I'd say that probably did set me back a lot for sure um in the in the scheme of things I there was a lot of time missed there that I could have pushed on a a, a little bit more and and I think when you look at Irish 20s that especially lads inside in Connacht now like a lad I played with last year Matthew Devine that won a grand slam you know he he's he he's like an unbelievable rugby player and they're all doing so well for Irish 20s Cullum Riley and Niall Murray before that they all it did not take them long from after the Irish 20s to push into you know they were given the opportunities and it was and I maybe they mightn't have been as good back when we finished Irish 20s it was and Connacht like that year you have to remember as well Connacht that year won the Pro 12 when it was the Pro 12 in Edinburgh so you know and we used to watch those team sessions and they were they were ravenous well not ravenous they weren't like kind of intent they weren't like uh aggressive but they were just really it was really clean cut and really high quality so it's a very hard thing to break into so i don't know even without the concussion stuff would i have um broken into that maybe but the chance there there would be a lot better chance and i think that whole concussion period set me back a good while a good while and it was it was with great massive difficulty and unreal work from all the physios rachel wire um orla armstrong and even chopper dave hanley and garrett that were in there that time they were all unreal and got me back on the road but i just i just i couldn't really make the cut then towards the end you know yeah and what were your symptoms when when you were going through that i was just a massive brain fog and i was getting this the weirdest thing was getting a this tightness around my neck that I felt like I couldn't get in a good enough breath and that was giving me like massive pressure in my head and my face and you know like if you're if you have some anything like that it's very hard to get in a line out or get in a scrum or make a tackle and stuff like that so I was like I don't know what it was and the thing is though is that it's never left that's never left and I've just learned to sort of live with it and I've um there was a guy in there Aidan O'Flynn um in Connacht that was kind of doing personal development and my mindfulness and stuff with us a lot of which again I I as I spoke about earlier I it went in one ear and out the other do you know but now I'm like that stuff is integral to my day for coping with anxiety and I am mass. I have massive appreciation for what he did with us that time. Spent a lot of time talking with him because it was. I was quite down, nowhere near anxiety filled or depression, but I was quite down with the recovery process. And he was like, "We need to try and start making friends with this because it doesn't seem to be going." And that was such a good piece of advice. I stopped hating it and started going right. Let's just. This is with me now, so let's make friends with it and learn about it. 
and it has never left but I have continued to make friends with it and I know what triggers it what doesn't different types of food and everything like that it's 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 crazy so I don't know if it was all concussion related but there was something there in this top half that just wasn't right and still isn't right but I, I have a much better I suppose standard of life now coping with it you know yeah and that's something really interesting that he says there make friends with it and, and you yeah. learn to live with it more so than when will I be cured and when yes. will it all be gone away and yeah totally totally like you you even saying that I'm sure when you had those two panic attacks and you're realized then you're like oh shit I am dealing with anxiety now anybody will tell you the biggest step is to go accept it that this is part of you now and you know that this can happen to you and the anxiety can do this to you and once you start doing that you start moving forward do you know because you you spend a lot of time in denial going oh no there's something wrong with me and oh god i have to get this rider do you know but when you start accepting stuff you're you're on the road it's the same with everything to be honest with you that's unreal wisdom there from a 26 year old there in case you're looking uh, yeah no and one thing i well i didn't to be honest right after that i kept drinking and you know that's uh, I think what, ev what everyone does well what most people do when they're not feeling great or not yeah. feeling their best they drink like you know the yeah. exam exam results don't go well go drinking you lose a big match and you're good at go drinking yeah you, whatever it is go drinking but um what i found yeah really helped me just while we're talking about it is the understanding what you can control so like my morning routine i'm like hard on it now like you know like every day i know what works for me and i've tried different things and every morning like we go to bed try and go to bed at the same time get up at the same time and then you know have cold shower meditate workout just yeah, do that oh, and it just sets me up totally it's yeah it's so true and it's the it's the it's the most simple advice that I'd give to anyone that has anxiety or anything like that and a lot of people look past that but like I've been on medication and stuff for it and I, I'm still on medication and, and things like that and everybody thinks that oh, I need to go see a therapist and I need to 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 get on medication and really assess this uh, or I need to change something massive in my life and everybody goes straight towards that with that, but I will say from experience, while having explored those routes, the 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 main thing that continues to help me is meditate, work and work out. Do you know, like when I started seeing someone when it when it hit me hard, they were like, they were like, have you have you have you gone for runs or have you gone to the gym since this has started? And I hadn't. I was like, no, and I was really bad that time. I was down the dumps, and they were like, you you you're. You're an ex-pro athlete. You, your body is so used to the endorphins that you probably were getting twice, if not three times a day. So, like, why? You know, the the main thing you should do is go out and go running first before you decide to do anything with medication. And I did, and I it was it, that was actually the first point that I ever even like appreciated or realized the the endorphins that we get from exercise and how good it makes you feel without even thinking about it. Like there's no way it can't make you feel good. And yeah, it's just, that's a stalwart of my day, like yourself as well. Like, you know, it's just those simple things that really get us back to it. Cause I was listening, I was listening to a, 
I was listening to a TED talk there yesterday, I think, and it was like a Shaolin master from like China. And they have like the most incredible lives of training to become Shaolin monks. And he was like talking about, he, he's like talking about, he's like, do you think somebody in the Stone Age experienced depression? Now, who's to know? There, it wasn't a conversation back then. Who's to know? And of course, there was insanity and different things like that and a lot of mes mental disorders. But he had a point in the fact that their idea of it, the, the Shaolin's idea of it is the loss of physical activity that we have now. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're a podcast host. I'm an actor. There, we could have days where we sit in our arses all day. Do you know what I mean? And they... He he attributes the mental health crisis that is no doubt present in not just Ireland but around the world to the fact that we spend so much time without physical activity, and he was like, "It's it's like meditation and chi, tai chi and finding like resonance with nature and everything is so part of the Shaolin tradition." But one of the biggest parts is enormous amounts of physical activity and 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 physical suffering like there's beauty and there's there's solace in suffering too do you know what i mean like that's you know you look at lads laborers working and that really enjoy it and different things like and i've done my own stint of manual labor and stuff you get into states of flow when you're doing these things and it's the same with exercise like repetitive endurance type exercises the stuff that i love but i get into a state of flow with it and when you're in that state of flow, anxiety, and even just even like thoughts about the past or the or or the future are just non-existent. They can't get you. They can't get you when you're in that state of flow. And and I think trying to find that state of flow is so important for everyone. And some people find it from playing music. Some people find it from exercising. Some people find it from working. You know, whatever it is they do. And I think finding that state of flow is is like is is huge. And it, it, it's I, I think to be honest with you, another piece of wisdom from a 26-year-old. I'm continuing I'm I I I fancy myself a bit of a philosopher and I'm continually <laughs> I'm continually trying to find the meaning of life and what all this is. But I I do believe being in that state of flow is a is a step towards it because there's a sense of timelessness that you 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 don't you can't like you can't physically, we, you can only remember those senses of timelessness as a child. You know, when you're a child, you're sitting on a trampoline or lying on a trampoline and lads go inside or something, you're lying down. And there was those moments that you remember of like looking up at the sky and like birds, different things like that. But there was a weird sort of, it wasn't even happiness. It was just total stillness and like hours could have passed where you're just lying there. That sort of thing. This like it's a combination of mindfulness and mindlessness, just totally away. And I think, I think we lose that becoming adults, and that's why adults have such. That's why we have such a, a massive thing with with, with with mental health now because of the pressure the people are under, and when when they talk, the last thing I'll say because I'm on an absolute Joe Rogan rant here, but the when they talk about kids and how kids experience experience that sense of timelessness is that there's two different there's there's two theories of like kids have 
lantern consciousness we have spotlight like adults when we reach a certain point where we're quite independent so we have spotlight consciousness where we're focused on one thing and that's that and not in, not really in a good way it can be in a good way because you can prepare for stuff but children usually reside in a state of lantern consciousness where they're not focusing on something everything's just there in front of them but also it, it can be in a negative way because they can't focus on something or remember to, to to get up in the morning and do something but it can be a very peaceful positive sensation and i think that's what meditation strives to accomplish for us as adults you know a hundred percent and mm. <clears throat> yeah the meditation like slow helps you practice that slowing down and another massive thing that i think is tied into it is the phone and embracing right. boredom so when you're that child like me and you when we were growing up there was no phone obviously so like if like you say at the trampoline like i can r remember loads of times like that lying down looking at clouds passing across the sky mm -hmm. and stuff and we didn't have a phone to take out so that was just our normal thing when you get bored you just look at the sky or you you whatever kick a ball and now we have phones and it's something that i'm trying every day i'm trying to resist you know when you put your phone away and you get that urge in your in your body to pick it up again mm. Yeah, I, I am just trying to resist that all the time and overcome it every time just resist resist and trying to embrace boredom and also not be as connected like put the phone away oh you messaged me yesterday evening might get back to you till lunchtime today yeah. and I'm and becoming okay with that and just yeah. not being always just connected because that keeps the brain ticking over all the time and when you can stop being so connected and on your phone all the time the brain stops ticking at a million miles an hour and you, you get that kind of boredom it is which is great yeah yeah it's yeah it's it, it's 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 a scary thing and it's really hard to gauge now i think because obviously like being so connected like you have pretty much they, they talk about you've pretty much um omniscient power in your in your in your pocket like you know everything at in within 10 seconds because you, you're 10 seconds away from Google and whatever it is, which is like a brilliant power to have throughout your life. But it's we're so connected now. And like yesterday I had like yesterday. I, I, I couldn't get to sleep last night because I was on my phone all day because and it was because I had to be as well. I was editing a video for like a sketch that I was doing for Instagram and I was also editing two tapes that for an audition for to send off to my agent this morning and the editing process is so long and I was my brain was frazzled last night just being in front of it all that time and yeah like it's it's like what you're saying about kids as well it's like I often I, I worry so much about that now it's like my girlfriend has a my girlfriend Ali has a seven-year-old daughter and I've known I've known them since she was about just nearly turning three. And she's a brilliant, brilliant kid. But looking at her and looking at all her friends and kids now, it's like they'd never have a state of boredom. Like I, I was I always say as well, it's like the the biggest analogy I can think of. And like I'm not talking where you know, I'm we're not talking as if we're like our grandparents where we're Jesus, we trek through 
13 kilometers of bog to get to school. Obviously, it wasn't that. But the one thing I will always say is like, I remember when I, when I, it was like Monday evening and I finished my homework and I was about 12 or something like that when I was younger. And my, my dad was watching a soccer match on TV3 got to halftime and then the break it was like Batman Begins is on on TV3 on Friday night at nine o'clock and I was like oh my god I hadn't seen it since it was in the cinema or whatever and I was like oh my god and yeah I spent the entire week just going four more days three more days Friday was a delight in school because I was like Batman's on tonight and when it came on at nine o'clock I was sitting there at ten to nine finish my dinner and when it came on I watched it from start to finish and sat through the breaks do you know what I mean and yeah. you took every single bit of it in now if if um Ali's daughter my girlfriend's daughter Holly wants to watch something she's got Disney Plus she's got Amazon Prime she's got Netflix we've got all the sky right at her fingertips do you know and you can get bored of something in 10 minutes turn it off go on to the next thing like thousands probably potentially tens of thousands of tv shows and movies for kids at your fingertips and i just think there's something sad in that you know you can't experience like and i worry that's why i worry about kids nowadays it's like you can't experience total satisfaction with something like as my experience watching batman begins you know because other than that you have to wait till it came out on on video or maybe at that point DVD and go up to the go up to extra vision or go up to the DVD store, you know? So it's, I, I find that I, I wonder what that's going to do. Like they can never have a, always have to be doing something, always have to be entertained. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know what that, because like points of boredom for me personally, as a creative person, points of boredom where I'm, doing something and i'm bored my mind goes starts going and my mind is like and when it's in a positive sense my mind is like thinking of ideas and do having little dialogues in my head between characters and stuff like that and i'm laughing to myself that doesn't happen when i'm on netflix for three hours or on my phone for ages or you know it's 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 very interesting and it's kind of a little bit worrying in my point of view but i don't know i i, I really don't know yeah it's so interesting to say that um with the the thoughts come through I'm the exact same like with yeah. say content putting on Instagram or, yeah. or different things and you know it, it's when like you say you, you switch off and then all of a sudden it's like um the subconscious mind is just open up and all this and stuff flows through but it's never yeah. what never when you're watching Netflix does an idea come no and something whenever I work with players one want to work with teams I tell them now, like with the phone screen time, like trying to get down and have those periods of boredom, because I think it's directly related to you said it there within your creative field now is the ideas come to you when you're switched off, you're present. I think that, you know, the flow state or being in the zone on the rugby field is when you're completely present, when you're not thinking about the mistake you made five minutes ago, you're not thinking about what the coach will think later on. You're not thinking about if the wind in the second half turns sideways, then this will happen. That'll yeah. happen. You're not thinking about anything. You're just completely present. And so during the week, I believe that you need to practice being present, i.e. practice switching off and being bored so that you can yeah. get used to that state. Yeah. 
I, I would 100% agree with you. And I think, I think that was a massive contribution to getting into anxiety and stuff like that is when I came out of rugby and I wasn't playing it because like it's quite intense, especially when you're playing AIL and stuff like that. It's like you're, you know, Tuesday evening and Thursday evening, <clears throat> very full on. And then Saturday. But what I didn't realize is that there are moments where I did not think about any of my problems during mm -hmm. those, those moments. I was so, you know, when you're 10 minutes into a rugby match or no, it, it kicks it, for me, it kicked in around and it probably should have kicked in earlier, but kicked in around just before halftime. And then, well, not just before, but like halfway through the first half where you're just so in the moment and you're like, I have to do this, I have to do that. And you're not thinking about anything else. And I don't think lads, I, I, I do believe that lads are so invested in sport and love sport, but a lot of them don't know why. And it is that it is that they're they're in they're in an, a total flow state where for older lads, mortgages, problems with girlfriends, different all that different shit is gone for 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 the more even points when you're training for 40 minutes a week. And I don't think lads realize that they're doing mindful meditation three times a week. Do you know what I mean? Especially hurlers. Like I cannot imagine, especially how robotically perfect hurling has gone. And it's so skillful for lads playing hurling and they're training so much during the week and then playing matches sometimes maybe twice a week. That must be unbelievable mindful meditation all through the week. And they, I don't think lads realize that's what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? They're in a total flow state at those points. A hundred percent. That's a big part of, of why you love it. A hundred percent. And yeah. and it's when you leave it that you realize or that it starts to hit you. You realize, like you said, your um, experience. And then I was the same. And I then I got a very bad shoulder injury about five years ago. And I, I didn't, I didn't want to not be involved, but then I, I got depressed from that and I couldn't work yeah. out. And, but I remember <clears throat> starting back was the working out and pushing myself to literally till you're about to collapse like going onto a bike and just going for an hour 30 on 30 off and just just into that space in your mind you know it's it's like it's the most meditative thing ever yeah. that space where it's like you're just pushing yourself you're so exhausted you can't even think yeah you you'd, and you don't think about anything at all yeah, and I heard Sonny Bill, he said something recently, or no, a while back, but I saw he said, um, as athletes, sports people, we're just papering over or putting a plaster on a, over something for the time being, mm. something mentally, like, like what we're saying there is like, you're playing the sport and it just gives you so much, it gets you away from everything and you use the sport to just give you that beautiful place because when you're on that field, you know, nothing matters. Totally. Uh, I fucking Sonny Bill is something else. Absolutely incredible. But like as well as as well, me and my friend used to talk about we have literally conversations of philosophy of our own private philosophy. But like he 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 said something to me that totally, totally clicked with me is like he's so interested, interested in human history. And this is the longest point in history where there hasn't been a war you know, a, a significant, significant, there has been, of course, wars that we have not had, we have been so lucky not to have suffered with, but there hasn't been a global war. And I, 
I as as ridiculous and as funny as it may sound, I think men really, really take to sport because it's been in our genetic code to fight and protect something for so long and fight for something bigger than ourselves. Do you know, like to unify together for a, for one cause and fight for it against somebody that's in the opposing cause. And when you're in a dressing room, you know yourself, when you're in a dressing room before on a, a two o'clock on a Saturday, you know, it feels like lads are going to war. And lads are hugging each other and looking into each other's eyes and they have massive, massive connection that goes beyond being friends because you're going out there, especially if you're in a good team with good lads, lads are going out there to literally die for each other and break their arms for each other and potentially tear their cruciates and, and, and get concussed for each other. And I think it's as close to riding off to war as we get to now. Do you know what I mean? And it, it, it does sound mental, but I think that really, really helps male, male, um, kind of the male psyche. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not, and I really, and I can't stress enough, I'm not taken away from uh, women's sport at all, especially like, like women's rugby has totally taken off in the last while. And it's so high quality for such a short period of time. It's, it's really, really improved so much and it's great to watch. And, but it, there's there's a thing men for thousands of years have been going like I, I I need to protect something I need to strive off and and fight for something, and when you're in a point where that's not happening on a war level, sport is such an outlet for lads. Like let's say you're work you you could be stuck in a job you really don't like, paying loads of bills. If you're if that is inherent in your genetic code and it's not being fed you're you're on i i think lads are on route for some bad trouble mentally do you know what i mean it's like and what what's my purpose do you know what i mean like sometimes people can get into jobs where they're like it's clock in clock out and you're like fucking hell and like the female role has changed so much in society women work women are all more like mostly at work now and and are so much more independent than they were. I'm talking thousands of years ago now, but like men, men, men's purpose in society has changed totally. Like women are totally independent. They don't need men now. Do you know what I mean? And, but the only thing is, is if we have kids, I'm really stepping on eggshells here now because you know how society is. It's like, we, if we have kids, you know, we can, you, a kid cannot be, especially from day dot, cannot be pretty much brought up without a, a sort of a, a a motherly figure. Well, like there's there's debate in that. There's debate in that. So I think women are at at, at an even better position than 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 men are really. Anyway, you know what I mean? Because women's women's role in society has totally changed. Where who out they're totally independent they don't need anything like that anymore and men are like stuck on fuck i'm not needed anymore do you know that sort of way i'm saying this in a very roundabout way and i don't mean to cause offense to anyone at all but I'm saying it in a very roundabout way but i think going out and unifying together in a team like that for for a, a certain cause is huge it's huge for the male psyche. It goes, 
I have a purpose here today. And they're thinking about it all week. It's like on a Saturday, I go, Jesus, on Saturday, I better be good or we, we're not going to get into the playoffs or we're not going to get promoted, do you know? And I think, I think it's unreal for men, especially Irish men now that don't, that feel purposeless, that don't have a, a role, that don't feel like they have a purpose in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I couldn't agree more, Jen. You're just speaking from your experiences, like we all, like the two of us are up until now. And I know exactly what you mean about a, a motherly figure as well, or like my yeah. mom is just incredible. You mentioned at the start of the, at the start about your mom, like my mom, the exact same. Like, Jesus, yeah. I don't know, I I don't know what I'd, oh. where I'd be or water, you know. But it's not, and, it's not just, it's not just me. It's like my brother and my dad. We'd yeah. be all dead bitches without <laughs> my mother. Does so much. She does yeah. so much. I think, like the 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 next comparable thing to an Irish mammy is a is a fucking grizzly bear, a female grizzly bear. Do you know what I mean? So uh, protective and so fierce. It's mental. Yeah, and the the going to battle thing is so true. It's a hundred percent true, and it's like once again, we're just speaking from our experience as men. But like, it, it's it, there's something within you that you you just feel. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. You know, but you feel like you're going into battle and it gives it gives you so much and it scares you so much but you want to be scared you want yeah. to potentially like yeah towards the end i was chatting to a guy on here david galbraith and he's a kiwi who works with the japanese rugby team he's their mental skills coach and he said that the japanese rugby team they prepare for matches the way the samurais prepared for battle and because it's very similar you know you're going to battle we all say we're going to war today we're going to battle and he said that the samurais prepared to die when they went to battle. You know, they're going yeah. to give everything. And I, towards the last year or so, when I was playing, I chatted to him on the podcast. And then I started to understand that. And I would, when I went out, prepare to die. And it it's kind of peaceful in that sense, because when you're not afraid of, and yeah. once again, this, like you're saying, philosophical, but like, I didn't want to actually die, obviously. But like, when you're not afraid of it, and you realize and other things happen like you know people die and then different things happen and when you're when you kind of stop fearing it as much it's an it's it's a nice place to be and the other thing another thing on that when you talk about working in jobs nine to five or whatever is that i've only realized that in recent years but recent times even but uh when you're playing on a feel like that connection like you say like people say brotherhood and it is and you're giving each other hugs yeah when oh, else yeah. would you hug someone? Yeah, Never. I know. Yeah, I know. But it's you hug, hard. you must give 50 hugs in, on a match day. Yeah. After a try is scored, you give a hug. Before the game, you give a hug. After the game, you give a hug. At yeah. halftime, you might give a hug. You're always hugging each other. I've kissed lads on the head for scoring tries. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've all, it's you nearly kiss lads on the lips for, yeah. not, that there's, not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but like, you're just, for such a testosterone fueled 15 group of 15 lads, lads get very, very close to each other because of that connection. They're so connected together. And it's like, I, I, as you said there, it's so interesting that you said that about the Japanese rugby team, because Christ, they are literally like, I suppose aside from Ireland, they're pretty much my favorite team to watch now. They're just incredible. And they do, and you get that vibe off them. They they are prepared to die when they go out. It's like just crazy stuff, and and the rugby that they're producing from that mentality is incredible. Um, 
I just I just hope they don't if they fail in battle they don't do what the samurai did back then and commit suicide like I hope not <laughs> <laughs> did they actually do I think so I think that's you know that was the was one of the, the small dagger into the yeah. I don't know what it's called and I don't want to uh, offend any Japanese traditions but I think that was part of it yeah and another one with it like um while we're on it but uh it gives you so much self-esteem as well as a person like once again if you're working in an office whatever or you're not physically pushing yourself when you do go out and play at any level be it junior five or anything if you go out and play and just give everything that you've got for that cause and leave everything out on the field you feel so good about yourself and it's the same i'm sure if you run a marathon or you run a 10k or you go to the gym and and do a crossfit session that that takes it all out of you but it just gives you so much self-esteem because you see yourself as a as a capable person who can push yeah totally it's 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 like i when when i was talking to someone about the anxiety trying to get a grip at it they were like the three things you can do are force yourself to have social contact exercise and it also ties in with the third one but a sense of achievement every day and as i was saying like what you're talking about like a marathon or playing a match or a crossfit session like that they're not like when you especially when you talk about rugby and stuff those points it is enjoyable you wouldn't do it if it wasn't enjoyable but like a lot of things like making a break and scoring a try or making a huge massive dumb tackle they're all enjoyable things but like scrumming your arse off and rocking and and making loads of chop tackles and making loads of carries that are abrasive like you're not i don't know anyone there probably are but i i'd say you find it hard to find a rugby player that enjoys every single point of that do you know what i mean the relatable thing is all of this is intense suffering running a marathon you get a runner's high for a bit but you you can be damn sure there's a point where and i've i've run a marathon before and there's, there's most there's the most of it is absolute torture and like CrossFit sessions, sure, that's, I, I don't know how many people enjoy that during it. It's torturous, but it's the thing after the combination of the endorphins that you're biologically getting with this sense of enormous achievement. Do you know what I mean? And like, it, it's just a recipe. It's such a good recipe for a clear, um, satisfied mental health do you know what I mean that's why sport is just so so integral I think and why it's so light especially here in Ireland the only thing that we get wrong I think is when we win we just go out and get absolutely hammered and then when we lose we go out and get absolutely hammered to drown it and I think that counteracts it a small bit but look at you're not going to change a culture do you know what I mean you can't have it every way no yeah for sure and something on that sense of achievement it's you want to get you just enjoy the struggle like say if it's going to run a marathon you enjoy the struggle of the training or if it's going to win a championship in rugby or whatever and hurling whatever you enjoy the struggle because you're moving towards something and achieving something and once again you start to have respect for yourself and your self-esteem goes up one thing that i love and i don't know where i think i've kind of as long as i can remember nearly always been a bit like this but i always say to myself do the things you said you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like if you say you're going to get up at right. six in the morning and go for, into the shower and, and go for a workout, do it. And yeah. when you start to not, and don't get me wrong, there's many times throughout the day I'll 
you know, little my, minor things I won't do, or I'll wait half an hour, I won't be on time, or whatever, whatever. Yeah. But when you start to do the things you said you're going to do, you start to really feel good about yourself. And when you when you stop doing it and you start slacking, you start to see yourself as a piece of shit. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Totally. Procrastination is literally the worst. And every and that's another thing with the phone. You're so glued to your phone. It's like sometimes it can be physically hard to put your phone down and go, right, cop on, do. And it's like it's almost like a raises your heart rate because your heart, your body's going into shock when you put down your phone. You're like, what am I doing now? What am I doing? What am I, what do I need to do? Um, yeah, no, it's like procrastination. Your man blind boy said the same thing is like, it's procrastination as it's not, it's not a killer of any sorts, but it can be a massive, massive like reduction in the capability. Somebody could become the capability that they have to be, whoever they are and procrastination can destroy that totally. And I think, as you said, doing the things that you told yourself you're going to do, that's the, the, like when you talk about getting up in the morning, I'm ever, I, to be honest, ever since the anxiety and depressive stuff has hit, I have been useless in the morning. Like if I struggle to sleep, I have really intense mental dreams about stuff, probably something from my childhood or something, but I, I'm useless in the morning. And that's one big thing. If I get up three days at like something like half seven or seven or half six and do something, I have a massive boost of self-esteem. But if I plan to get up at half seven or half or eight o'clock even, and and get stuff done and then I sleep until 11 I'm in a bad way for a couple of hours until something is done do you know what I mean so I think you're de- you're spot on there about about doing what you said you were going to do really is uh, that's another big thing for sure yeah and don't get me wrong like two mornings ago I slept in I just turned the alarm off I said and you tell yourself the lie then like oh it'd be good for you now just get another yeah. hour and then you yeah. know it'd be, <laughs> it'd be good so for true. me like I think I think I have a kind of a, a an a, a approach to it now. It's like I earn my sleep ins. I try to earn them a little bit. So like, if I'm wrecked at the end of the week, but I've loads done, and then I've nothing to do on a Saturday or nothing to do on a Sunday, I can kind of sleep or whatever, and then wake up and go, "Listen, you earned it." And when it's just all talk, isn't it? It's all talk with yourself and and trying to be not too hard on yourself, but also be. But also keep your hold yourself to a certain discipline, and it's just trying to find the balance with that. Yeah, and we want to change a bit. But uh, yeah, I first um, came across you on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> man, your stuff is so so funny. A couple of years ago, we didn't quite, I don't, we didn't quite cross paths in Connacht. I'm a couple of years older. I don't think we would have played against each other. But uh, man, your videos are just so so funny. It's incredible. But uh, how did you? Uh, what like that? That must have been tough. Like putting out the first one or starting to to do that kind of stuff was that before the acting wait yeah it was like it was actually it was before it was before rugby had even finished as well it was just a couple of things i don't know i used to get just ideas of stuff especially if you hear a song and it's like gotta be funny if somebody was doing something to this song and then i just go well here my phone is probably able to do this and it started out with like putting on a song on like Spotify or something in the background and then taking a video. So the song sounded shit and the video looked terrible, but you'd get the gist of what's going on. 
and I was like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand here and go, I, I have total fulfillment with it. I'm sure a lot of it is, is the appraisal you get from people and seeking that appraisal. Sure. I'm an, like, I'm an actor and I've always been an attention seeker and I, I, cra- I like, I crave and I enjoy people, people's appraisal. I don't take it well physically. Like I don't take it well up front. I'm like, I can't take compliments, but in my mind, I'm like, yes, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's pathetic, but that's me. And I think that in combination with being proud of what I was doing and finding my own stuff funny led me on to start to look into technology editing and and software and putting things together and getting a proper camera and then going to acting school and honing in on my acting skills. And it's like, like, it gives me massive, massive, it does give me massive fulfillment to, to make that stuff. And, and, uh, and 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 put it out there and i i never really had a problem with putting it out there to be honest i i i, I don't really sometimes i worry about you know I, I i just don't want to i suppose you know it's a weird conversation now i don't want to offend anyone with comedy massively although you do you do have to risk offense to to be funny and that's a huge conversation that's happening now and you know there's people getting platforms for for putting out their stuff taken away from them because they're going over the line but then some people don't think they're going over the line and it's like 10 years ago this wouldn't have been over the line and so it's a tough conversation so i don't want to do anything like that but yeah i never had a problem with putting out stuff and and like i think once you don't have a problem with putting out whatever you've created especially if it's if it fails fail when it fails it's brilliant because that's you learn from that if you do something that fails you learn a heaps heaps of amount than you would for something that really succeeds then you kind of park up and start sitting your arse and go i'm great when something succeeds but if something fails you get a drive to keep going um and i did that through i and to be honest i always think like you know when it started to get a, a little bit of hype or whatever, when, or just a bit of like attention when I was in Connacht. And I often wondered, did that maybe contribute towards a decision to, to, to maybe let me go as well? Because, you know, maybe that wasn't in the idea of the team at the time. And I was a bit of a joker in the squad and stuff. And maybe people wondered, did I take it seriously or not? And I really did take it seriously. Like I gave it everything I could, but maybe that contributed to it and and if it did i i've no problem with that i i was pro- i was quite spiteful as well when it finished and going like sure that shouldn't have anything to do with it but the more i look back on it the more i look back and go it's fine like do you know what i mean if that didn't fit into the team it doesn't fit into the team the team comes first you know individuals don't come first for sure um but yeah it's it, like it, and if that was the case i still wouldn't do it any other way because i like what I do now and I like those things that I've put up and you know if it made me change career and go into something else so be it that's just what happens do you know what I mean good stuff yeah Yeah. 100% and yeah different uh, different podcast but um the the effect the risk and offense thing is awful and uh are awful that that's just in the background for comics in general because man like I just split my 
sides laughing at your stuff and like you're taking off like country lads you're taking off you're taking off kind of a lot of different people but like it's like you know like technically anyone can get offended with anything but like like yes they can't like and it's just awful it's it is awful but look it's it is and i but like as well as that i think you know you can it's very easy to go into the like i've always i've had a lot of time to try and meditate and over this and sort of think about this and it's like you can you can very very easily fall into the into the thing i go oh jesus more people getting offended more people offended there's also minority groups and people that we will never ever have the experience of being and never have their shared experience at all so it's very i I do find it's very easy for us to say ah for god's sake everybody's offended everything but there's 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 experiences that we will never have you know uh, especially in ireland like there's experiences like things like racism and stuff that we're, we're just not going to we're not going to experience in ireland that and i think you have to take that into account too of go well i can't say this joke or 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 maybe i'm pushing it too far with this joke because you know there as i said i might not be able to experience what somebody else is able to experience and i don't want to i don't want to hurt people's you know i don't want to really really insult somebody like taking the piss out of somebody is different to really properly insulting a group of people or whatever like that you know so and i i'm gonna fail at that i will fail at that there'll be times when i'm when i when i might probably step over the mark and be like ah crap that was that is you know a, a huge amount of people could be like that was hilarious and then one person be like you know fuck you for that but i'm like I I I I think having that in the background is 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 a good approach to have, and I'm just I'm still learning myself and still trying to find the the the, the balance and find the line, you know. But I think having a little bit of sensitivity to pe- to people's experience that we could never have is is a good way to go forward for sure. Yeah, and no, I fully agree with you. You're absolutely spot on there, a hundred percent. And we are very um, uh, I don't know, shelter is the wrong word. Now, now mine's probably the wrong word too we don't have a lot of experiences in Ireland and I, I didn't you mentioned racism there like I, I saw that firsthand when I moved to St. Louis like my you know my best friends being black and whatever I just saw different th- one or two different things where I was like oh that's you know and I just understood more and even in Canada just you see different things for sure um, yeah. but it's totally. um, but like it's it's like I saw racism when I was in school and in in Pertumna as well do you know what I mean like it, it's it's uh it's not it, it's absolutely present here too oh yeah and like it, it when I say like not being able to have experience it's just you know the group of people that we belong to and stuff we can say the things that you know oh for god's sake everybody's offended at this and offended at that but you know it's 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 rampant it like it's very it's very present here it's not just like a a kind of a conversation for me i think it's not just a conversation of like what happens in america and different things like that but like you know you can go around in circles talking about this stuff too and you know i'm not going to sit here and say that i'm massively informed and educated about stuff but like it's just i think as i said it's it's good to have a to have that in the background for sure and obviously in your experience you see the same thing too and i think for us to know that it's very 
good, especially if we're on a platform where we're talking about stuff or where we're creating stuff or anything like that. It's probably a good idea for sure to have, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you said it with them. They're always learning and being educated. That's something yeah. I, yeah, like even starting coaching women a couple of years who are just learning different things or, yeah, um, you just, yeah, like you're just always learning. We're just helping each other. You know what I mean? In that sense, like in whatever way it is, just, yeah, helping each yeah. other. Just being sound. I th- like it's so hard to, there's so many rules now with stuff that it's like, What's the best way to go? It's just like, ah, just try and be sound. Do you know what mm. I mean? Just deep, mm. like whatever. Of course. Yeah. And sometimes, like, you're not going to be sound all the time. Like, I know I can be an absolute bollocks at times, but it's trying to be, I'm definitely a lot sounder than I was when I was 19 or 20, for sure. So, <laughs> Me too, yeah. yeah. So, hopefully, in another five years, I'll be even sounder. Yeah. I, I hope the same thing. Um, Is there anything you know now, say, going through the acting and doing the acting? that or from that that you would like to have known when you were say 1920 um about acting just no but say as the rugby player like i don't know from your experiences now outside rugby and growing up and i don't know anything you'd say tell a young lad maybe yourself when you were younger yeah i i would especially with rugby i would not I, I would still be as disciplined or even more disciplined and try to be as good, try to really put as much work as I could into it. But at the times when it didn't need it to just not take it so seriously and just calm and relax and realize there is a shit ton more to life than what's going on, you know? And I think that obsessiveness, that obsessiveness about stuff and constantly worrying about stuff I'd say it definitely took away from my rugby in general, to be honest with you. And uh, I think just trying to, yeah, probably not take things as seriously at times. You start to sort of enjoy them a bit more, you know, and you can, and not taking it seriously doesn't mean slacking off. You can work your ass off at something, but you can also work your ass off at something with a little bit of separation from the importance of it, you know? And I think um, that that would definitely be something I'd tell a young lad now. And so I told my own brother. My own brother was like playing quite good rugby. And I don't know whether or not he he had an offer to go into a sub-academy, but I told him to think about it and not take it as seriously. And I think he was like, yeah, no, I'd just rather, you know, do what's not try and pursue something for the sake of it and become obsessive about it. Just chill out and see how things go, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I, I kind of resonate with that as well, and that you're kind of always a bit worrying a bit that nearly are you doing enough and will you make the next step and yeah, will yeah, it yeah. work out? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. That's so true. And it used to frustrate me then the lads that'd be good and they'd be able to have a laugh and they'd be chilling and they'd look like, I'd be like, jeez. I know. It's, it's mad. It's uh, like, there's a lot of lads in that Irish 20 set up now that were unreal workhorses with stuff and really diligent on stuff but also just very carefree and I used to be like like and I was playing with them from 18 schools up and I was like how are they so chilled out about stuff when it was on they were on but when they were off yeah. they were really off they were relaxed and chilled and they're fucking sorry cursing they're beating they're beating the all blacks now and playing 
for the Lions and World Cups and stuff is mad, you know. Yeah. And uh, cheers for your time. It's been yeah, not at all. Oh, it was an absolute pleasure, man. And um, pleasure. what uh, what's the with the acting like? So, you know, the rugby we have a very clear path. Like you say, eighteen schools, twenties, and you you have a very very clear defined path. And with the acting, you don't so much. How do you look at it? How do you kind of think when you it comes to starting a career as an actor? Like, yeah, I I think. If you can now go into acting school is a big help because agents look at show reels and stuff after it, you know, above probably a lot of other people. It's not absolutely necessary, but I think it, it massively helped me. And it didn't just help me with my acting career, it helped me find out who I was and really look into myself and become more familiar with the actual person I was. But I think acting school really did help for sure and then i think it's 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 more so uh, it's a very hard industry to navigate and there are things like fish pond which are great as well where you sign on onto fish pond it's a um you pay a subscription and there's they post things that you can tape for yourself without an agent or anything like that um all the time and they're brilliant it's ali coffee casting that does it i think and she's fantastic for doing that because it, it it makes the agent list actor it gives them power to try and pursue something as well which is great um but i think like getting an agent and i'm so lucky to have the agent i'm with lisa richards and i've been working with morris epstein from lisa richards and i just i i, I genuinely owe them everything they've been so good and with with opportunities and stuff like that but i'll always come back to if you have any, uh, there was one, there was a guy in acting school with us, and uh, he 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 came in to do a talk with us, and he said, "I can't understand." He was a writer and a director. He's like, "I cannot, I cannot understand aspiring writers and directors not filming their own stuff now." He was like, "When I was younger, and I wanted to film my short that got him on the path, <clears throat> he filmed like a short. He had to hire out the equipment, take out. I think he had to take out a loan to hire out the equipment, sound." cameras everything like that and then pay someone to edit everything and he was like you could make something the same quality as what i made on this now do you know what i mean on your phone like in your pocket he's like i cannot understand that so if you've any aspirations to write stuff or 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 make stuff yourself like the world is your oyster really and we're talking about social media and phones being a bad negative thing and it is true but i mean the positivity that Instagram has gifted me as a platform to put out stuff and there's YouTube and I I never even dipped my toe in the TikTok thing but I know people that are that are absolutely getting a huge platform to express who they are which was never you know you look at what 30 40 years ago or even before that it's like you're walking to auditions and you can't even and like covid and stuff helped me because I got my camera and I'm I'm doing I'm auditioning for thing for I'm doing like recalls and chemistry reads with people living in Manchester, people living in Nottingham, and then doing a recall for a director that's in Australia in my sitting room. Do you know what I mean? And like before that, it was you're getting a plane or getting a bus to an audition, and that's your one shot. 
But now everything's so connected and technology, as negative as it can be on our heads, is also so empowering for any aspiring actor to create their own stuff and show who show the talents that they have. So I would say if you have any aspirations to make your own stuff, just do it. Just don't even think about it and just thrust yourself into it and just do it. And you can put it up anywhere, you know, and oh. especially an Irish audiences as well. We're we're just nice people, you know. Like there's a lot of like hate online and different things, but and I'm probably about I'm gonna get some soon, but any like uh, my my comedy stuff is off the walls and a lot of it I find funny and I try to stay true to that. And uh, there's a lot of it that I'd say a lot of people would be like, That's not funny, but I don't get I don't get like I don't get hate. Everybody just gives applause, you know. Like if you're if you're sitting in a it's such an Irish thing as well. You're sitting in a like a in an old town hall and somebody is sorry, I just need to plug in the charger here, but you're sitting in an old town hall and somebody's playing music and they're playing absolutely shite music and then they're finished. Everybody will applaud them and go, geez, you were great. That was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just Ireland. We're just so nice to each other all the time. And I think we have to give ourselves credit for that, for sure. And you're spot on with and I fully agree with the the phone and the technology is is such an incredible thing as well. Like I see it myself, like I couldn't obviously do this or couldn't, you know, it's the exact same. It's you can do whatever you want to do now. And that that is uh that is one incredible thing about it. And you just mentioned from an acting point of view, but put out whatever you want to put out. And I think as well, what encouraged me is life's too short. And if you've yeah. I heard them before without we were talking philosophical, but like don't die with the music in you. Like, you know like yeah. and another one on that sense is um they talk about like there's this book i can't remember the, the five regrets of the dying i think but the number one regret that dying people had this this caregiver found was that not living the life that was true to them and afraid to do the things that they wanted to do yeah. you know and, and i you know f- for a while didn't do things but then when you start to you know just put it out whatever it is just do it just go for it it's it's worth it Totally, and it's it it comes down to not giving a shit what people think of you as well, massively, and like, it, you're always going to have a certain amount of that for sure. But when you can get it to a point where you really don't care, like I I really had to not give a a crap what my family thought of me or my my all my friends and stuff to put out that stuff, you know, like on on Instagram, um, because like once it's out there very hard to get it back as well and people download and stuff like that so you need to be comfortable with the fact that some people are going to think you're a clown for this but that doesn't matter it doesn't it's not important you know that's all exterior to you and what you think of yourself is is the most important thing and i found that the hard way for sure with like anxiety and stuff like that it's like what you what you the, the conversation you're having with yourself and what you think of yourself is the most important thing you know trying to please people like you're saying there, regrets of the dying. It's like not living the life true to themselves. I'm sure a lot of that can be put down to trying to please other people, trying to please wives or husbands or kids or parents and trying to, you know, stuff like that, which is, I'm sure a lot of that can be put down to. So you're right. Like, and as as I said, it's obviously coming from us to lads in their late 20s or early 30s given massive wisdom or whatever but 
it it's it's something that is probably true and i like i'm so glad that i went like my girlfriend was like i, I was living with my girlfriend and for for a good while before it and when i got let go and i thought i was fairly sure in connacht i was like i'm, I'm gonna be in here for a while i'd say so this is gonna be good and we live in galway and next thing i'm out my ass and my girlfriend was so supportive she was like you want to go to act school go to acting school do you know what i mean like go live in in dublin for the year then go and then i had to live in belfast on a on a shoot i i was pretty much living over in wicklow for another shoot I could be in New York and back up to Dublin then for another shoot and that's the life. But she was massively supportive about it. I can't I can't like praise her enough for that and praise my my parents either enough for that. They're very supportive because you know there's a lot of scenarios where other people are like, ah, you can't, you know, like you're here now and you have responsibilities and stuff. And that's that's terrifying. And I'm very lucky not to have had that, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and just one thing I want yeah, to yeah. ask them, but uh, on the you're saying about like not caring what people think, like whatever, putting things out, and um, one of that has been one of the best things for my peace of mind throughout a, a number of years is gradually stopping to care what people think. And to be honest, I think it happened to me in school a bit. You know, lads will be slagging you, mm-hmm. and you go, "I don't give a fuck what you think." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in my head, like people would be slagging me. And I'd be like, I don't give a fuck what you think about me. Yeah. And, and that's where it started. And then I'm going to keep being me. I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to keep, I'm not going to stop, you know? And that's where it kind of started. And you keep doing it and you nearly like be yourself. One, you lean into it more of being yourself. And, and it's a very gradual process. That's 15 years ago. And I'm talking about in school, but yeah, it's, you know, the more you are yourself and the more you truly stop giving a damn what anyone else thinks is just, it's incredible. It's just the best. Yeah, I'm delighted for you as well, because that is, li- it's liberating, isn't it? It's like, it's like if none, if none of those people matter, the, 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 oppor- the, the opportunities are limitless for myself and what I can be, who I can be. Do you know what I mean? And like, I, I had the opposite thing when I was in school. I was very self-conscious and trying to please friends and trying to be in the cool gang. I found myself. I was a little bit off the walls and I think that was the 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 real me inside trying to get out. But I was very trying to put on the being in the cool kind of crew. And it's so funny when you look back, like I always think as well, it's like, do you know what your parents always said to you about school is like, oh Jesus if I could go back and and you're like and you're always like what and you're like you should they're, they're like you should focus in school now and listen to the stuff and it's like and you're always like oh and you're thinking about rugby and you're thinking about women and thinking about going to a, a nightclub at the Easter break or something like that and that's all you care about I I'm I'm already at the stage where I was like if I could go back I would just perfect the the art of writing in English like I would just I I I do the same thing in other classes but I just go back and be like from day dot in 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 secondary school just like each English teacher I had feed me with whatever the hell I need to write stuff do you know what I mean and now I have to start at square one with that with with phrasing paragraphs and different things and writing short stories and different things like that. If I could go back, I just, do you know what I mean? And like a lot of that is pretending to be somebody you're not in school. A lot of that comes back to that. You're just like, 
this would be cool. You know, th- this will be cool. And you're not thinking about, I'll, I'll look cooler. I'll be able to shift more women on a night out if I do this. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you're not thinking about perfecting the the art of creative writing or analyzing analyzing uh, brilliant writers, like studying Shakespeare and studying great poets and and everything like that. And and you look you look at them now and you're like, you're like they're just they're masterpieces. And like it's mad. It's like I. My girlfriend, we were taught we watched the second uh, episode of Tommy Tiernan's um, The West, where he's exploring the West last night, and it was unbelievable. And my girlfriend said a thing that was very poignant to me. It was like, Do you know, my dad used to put this kind of stuff on and be enthralled in it, and I would be like, Oh, what is this shite now? Do you know? And now, and we're not, we're not 50 years of age either, like my girlfriend's in her early thirties and I'm in my late twenties and we're like enthralled in it now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what happens when you're a teenager, so self-conscious and so about what other people think of you. What I found my, in my personal experience that any of that stuff that is really important is you don't even give it a, a moment's notice. Like you're not, you're not analyzing Shakespeare or analyzing Seamus Heaney or Yeats or anything like that. You're more analyzing Geordie Shore and how the lads get so much women in Geordie Shore and work like, you know, do you know what I mean? They're your heroes. Fucking <laughs> Mike, the situation, or was he Jersey Shore or whatever? They're your heroes that time. Do you know what I mean? It's mental. It's absolutely mental. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. And and it is funny you say, like, um, you're always like trying to impress people is is always just in your head all the time, I suppose, yeah. you know, it is. Totally, totally. That's but funny. trying to impress people when you're not being true to yourself. Like, I'm still trying to impress people all the time, but I'm trying to do it in a way I'm true to myself. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. No, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. same here. Like, you, you try and create good things that people will enjoy. Yes, you know, Absolutely. Yeah, and another one, another one on that though, Jesus, um, is uh, creating. I think probably Blind Boy. I learned this from, but um, creating art that for the sake of art that you like, like so, say you know, yeah. doing a that you want and you get enough from it. Like I, I feel that even with putting out a podcast, putting out a something on whatever it is, or you know, you like it. You know what I mean? And yeah. of course, you still do, though. You still do want. Oh, of course, that's and, yeah. That's exactly what I was saying as well. That's exactly what I was saying as well. It's like, it's the battle that I have between between doing something that's right for me, but also wanting people to like it, do you know? Yeah. And if you, if you lean, it's so weird because if you lean towards, too much towards what you're doing for yourself, obviously you'll have fulfillment, but you might not cater for what other people think and then that depletes in success but if success like if you're a real true artist if you're a real bob dylan or something like that and like you're you you do not give a shit what people think success is not even going to matter to you and i suppose everybody's aspiring to do that as a as a creative person but i find if i find a healthy balance between i think people will like this and i also think this is funny if i can stay in those lines maybe a bit more towards myself that's a good medium to be in because it also contributes to even idea of what people are thinking and what people will think is cool and funny and that will progress 
what you want to do if you want to bring it somewhere because everybody wants to bring something somewhere you know like i'm sure like you would love to have your podcast like joe rogan's podcast or blind boys podcast you know what i mean like and you if that that's such a good driver so you want to talk about things that people do like about but you also want to talk about stuff that's true to yourself you know and you don't want to be like told or thinking about well everybody's talking about this so i'm going to talk about it even though i don't give a shit about that do you know what i mean so it's finding the healthy balance between that, I think, is, is it's, it's, and it is tough. It really is difficult. Like, no, 100%. But hey, Peter, thanks, Emil, for your time. Great. Not at all, man. It. Absolutely loved it for sure. It and um, yeah, I just want to say, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the stuff you're doing is unreal. Yeah. I literally will be splitting my size up. I know <laughs> because you put things out, I put things out, you don't see these things. And I actually made an effort of like, you know, giving a comment of a crying laughing face. But for a year before that, I was literally every bit of just crying <laughs> laughing on my own on the couch. And no, it's unreal. And I know so many others, they get sent into groups and my brothers and everyone. Uh, so um, oh, well, I appreciate I, that. I appreciate well that. Well. I'm glad unreal. I'm glad it, I'm glad it gave you a laugh because we God, we needed a bit of laugh, a bit of a laugh over the last couple of years for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect, man. Firstly, I just want to say fair play to Peter for chatting openly about the mental health struggles that he has had or is having a little bit. And it is such a sign of courage, strength to do so like we were both saying when we were growing up society said that you were weak if you had any mental health struggles but that's absolutely not the case and it's something that can affect absolutely anyone as we both said we never thought it would happen to us and having the strength courage as as i said to talk about it is it's just incredible because it helps people so much. I can just say from my own experience, as I said in the pod, listening to Brezzy and Blind Boy talk about their experiences helped me so much at a time when I was struggling about four or five years ago. And like Peter said in the podcast, I think that this quote unquote, the conversation around mental health who knows what what exactly does that mean but the way he said just chatting to your friends about it so i like to look at mental health in comparison to physical health and i like to just draw comparisons with the two so for example if you had a bit of a sore back you'd probably mention someone in that if your friends or family said hey brian how are you getting on you know, I'd then say, oh, I'm doing well. I've been doing really well recently, but just I got this little tweak in my lower back there last week. You know, it's just kind of at me when I'm in the gym and I'm grand. Like I can go about my day and I can I can do everything and I can still lift weights, but just my back's just at me a little bit. And then they'd say, oh, OK. And what I would do for that is I would stretch and I would maybe see a physio and I'd get that little tweak, that little niggle in my lower back sorted out. And the mental health equivalent of that, in my opinion, would be, hey, Brian, how are you getting on? Oh, I'm doing, doing well recently. You know, I'm doing, doing pretty well. And I'm, things are going all right, but I'm just 
a little bit down recently. Don't know, don't know what it is. Like I'm fine, but just, I don't know, just maybe the weather has, I don't know, just a little bit down. And that's so normal. I think the most common one is when the weather changes. It's called seasonal affective disorder. That's the name they put on it. But when the evenings get shorter and the days in general are a lot darker, people feel a little bit down. And yeah, you can have these periods where, you know, you're just a little bit anxious or a little bit whatever. And yeah, it's obviously okay to talk about that and just mention it. And that might just be a little thing that comes and goes. And another physical and mental health comparison or analogy could be you break your leg badly and then that's like whoa broken leg two bones broken and the ankle is dislocated wow that's bad and you need surgery and you need lots of rehabilitation from the physio from the athletic therapist from all these people to get that leg right again and the mental equivalent of that could be you become very very depressed where you can't leave your house or you become so anxious that you can't sleep for days and then obviously that requires lots of help from experts and help rehabilitating I suppose or in that same way that a broken leg would be and just because potentially you can see one and you might be able to see the other doesn't mean they're any different doesn't mean you're any less of a person for getting one and not the other or whatever it's they're the same in a sense and I'm not a counselor I'm not a therapist or an expert in this area I don't claim to be and if I've said anything incorrect let me know but that's just from my experience you know I 90 eight percent of the time thankfully i i'm doing really well but yeah of course i have a day or two here and there where i'm just a bit off and i'm a bit down and like peter said it's very interesting he was saying how certain foods can tip him off a bit and i feel the same you know if i binge eat if i eat like a big pizza and loads of ice cream and you know i drink an alcohol i've kind of stopped drinking alcohol because the hangovers I just I just didn't enjoy it I just didn't like it and you know whatever enjoy a drink do whatever you want to do but yeah there's certain lifestyle things that can just push you off a little bit and can be the cause of yeah just feeling a little bit under and I think bringing awareness to that and just being aware of the different things that can help you and maybe not help you and of course don't get me wrong i eat crap from time to time and whatever um but i just know that i'll kind of pay for it the next day and i'm aware of that so if i have a big pizza and a bag of chips and whatever i'm aware that the next morning i mightn't feel the best whereas if i'm working out and i'm eating really healthily I'll probably feel good. Once again, everyone's different and I don't want to 
say the wrong thing but just from my experiences and um yeah then you know things can if things get worse of course you you talk to people always and i just know it when i was going through a tough time uh, i didn't speak to anyone and it, it is challenging it's a lot easier to say it now say oh talk to someone if you're struggling but when you are struggling i know it's challenging but um yeah i'll chat more about my experiences next week um, yeah, if it'll help anyone. Sport and life are very intertwined and my depression or depressive period started with the injury I got playing sport. So I was like A1, love and life, flying it. And then I got injured and then things went from there. So yeah, it's kind of all intertwined, isn't it? Sport, life, duh, all of it. Also, if you don't already, definitely follow peter right now on instagram he's hilarious i'm telling you maybe it's irish comedy i'm not sure about foreigners i know we all have different interests in comedy or laugh at different things but oh he is just hilarious i love when i see a new video up from him so check out his instagram now it's peter claffy also thank you to all of you sending me feedback on amazon for the book and also dming me feedback i greatly greatly appreciate it i'm so glad that you're enjoying it getting value from it and here is some feedback i got from eric knopf he said brian just finished your book this morning very well done and your concepts apply beyond sports too of course but that's a story for another time. Particularly chapter 17 is very powerful and these paragraphs really stuck with me. There is no end point on this journey. Don't think I'll be happy when X. You have to be happy now. Achieving something will not make you happy. Happiness comes from pursuing something that you love, having a goal and giving your absolute best effort in achieving that goal. Happiness is not when you achieve the goal. The journey is the destination. Enjoy every stage of your journey. Focus on being the best version of yourself today and enjoying what you're doing. Then he said, the essence of life, I think. Congratulations again. And I ordered a paperback copy for his son. You can get the book all over the world now on Amazon. The book on how you become a pro rugby player the foreword is by Robbie Henshaw, Leinster, Ireland, British and Irish Lions player. And if you are living in Ireland or the UK, you can get a signed copy of the book from me through my website, which is offfieldrugby.com. So go onto that website and I'll leave the link in the show notes here and then I'll send you a signed copy. If you have any thoughts or feedback, for the podcast for me or want to get in touch the website's a good place to do that offfieldrugby.com you can also dm me on instagram which is at offfieldrugby or linkedin which is my name brian moylet on instagram i share content to help you become more confident have more self-belief play in the zone deal with nerves deal with pressure all that stuff that is associated with the mental side of the game. 
If you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy what I'm doing here and want to help support me with my mission of helping players with the mental side of the game, what you can do is simply send it on to a few friends or send it into your WhatsApp group. That small, quick action helps so, so much. And you can also leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. Be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever it is. That really helps as well. That helps the algorithm, helps more people find the podcast. Thanks a mil, as always, for being here. Happy Christmas, happy holidays, wherever you're based in the world. And yeah, thank you again for clicking in. Thank you for your DMs on Instagram, LinkedIn and connecting with me there. I love hearing from you and chatting, hearing your thoughts, getting your feedback. And thank you as well to everyone who has bought the book on how you become a pro rugby player so far. I'm glad that you're enjoying it and yeah, have a good one. Hopefully you get a little bit of time off over the Christmas and I'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.